But tonight, I want to talk about laying the foundation for a greater anointing in our lives. And I don't know if it's if I'm teaching tonight or if I'm preaching tonight. It's been said the only difference between teaching and preaching is when it's preaching, it's louder, and when it's teaching, it's quieter. So I anticipate it probably being teaching, but I'll probably get excited here and there, and it'll probably turn into preaching at some point. Laying the foundation for greater anointing in our lives. Friends, we have been super intentional as an eldership over the past eight months of what we were believing God to do in this church and the gifts that we invited and brought into this place to help bring that about. As an eldership, we, we prayed and we asked the Lord, Lord, we want, we want there to be freedom and power of the Holy Spirit you know, in this place to, to, to wrap up the year. And so we've brought in people like a, a Mike Hanchett. We brought in Steve and, and Christy Owens and even Craig uh, Herbert being the last speaker of the year. People whose ministry exemplified the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I know that this church desires greater anointing. I know that people in this church hunger for more and more anointing. We see in the Word of God that anointing is giving is given for a purpose. We are anointed, not just for self-fulfillment. That's not one of those things that we're given by God to bring about self-fulfillment or joy or, or any of those things just to edify us. That is never what anointing is for. Anointing is always for a purpose. To save those who are lost. To heal those who are hurting to unify an orphaned people to a loving Father. Anointing is there for a purpose. Anointed to preach good news. So let's talk about how to get a greater anointing in our lives. First up, faith. Does that seem like a no-brainer? Does that seem like a pretty good one to start with? With greater faith, there seems like it could be the potential for greater anointing, right? Let's read what the Word has to say in Mark chapter 11. Mark 11, 22. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. I want to pause right there. That's, that phrase, have faith in God, that in God is pistin dio. It's translated as both in God and of God. And here's why this is important. You know, normally something you know that small might not have a ton of significance. But as we read this passage, and, and Jesus is saying, have faith in God, he's also saying, have faith of God. Have the faith of God. What kind of faith are we talking about? We're talking about mountain-moving faith. We're talking about the faith of God. The very So let's read that again. And Jesus answered them saying to them, have faith in God or have the faith of God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Friends, that is the faith of God. That, that is the faith of God to be confident in asking for the ridiculous, the insane, 
with complete peace, with complete confidence, and knowing it will be done. Not, that's just not just faith in God. When I read that passage, I don't just read that being faith in God. That is the faith of God that can be given to me. That's the faith I pray for. That's the faith we should be praying for. Lord, we want your faith. We want the faith of God. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. Whenever you stand praying, do what? Forgive. If you have anything against anyone, if you have anything against anyone, that is wide open, friends. That is wide open. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. The prerequisite for having the kind of faith that is described right here, forgiveness. Forgiveness. I've preached on forgiveness a bunch of times and I'll preach on forgiveness a bunch more times. But this one we find an interesting component. Forgiveness not just as a standalone thing, but forgiveness linked in to faith, to God faith. The only way to stand in confidence before the Lord asking and receiving is knowing that you are not intentionally withholding grace and blessing and forgiveness to someone else. If I know that I am intentionally withholding forgiveness and blessing for somebody, it makes it real hard for me to boldly and confidently walk into the presence of God asking Him for anything. Why? Because the greatest thing that has been given to any one of us was the forgiveness of our sins. From the time we were born until the time we die, everything in between, that's what we were given by the completed work of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins. And all the Lord asks is that we in turn forgive others. We live in a society that makes so many things about us and about how we feel. Friends, forgiveness is not about us and it's not about how we feel. I don't forgive because I feel it. I forgive because my perfect, awesome Father has instructed me to forgive. I've forgiven countless times when I didn't feel it at all. In fact, it was an act of faith, a repetitive act of faith. Lord, I don't feel it. I don't, I can't even believe I'm doing this. But Lord, I forgive that person. Forgiveness. There is no moving forward in a greater anointing without forgiveness, friends. The theme of this sermon, there is no moving forward in a greater anointing without forgiveness. There is not. 
without forgiveness, you are permanently limited in the ways that God will use you because you do not represent the Father's heart. And so you are very limited in how God will use you. There's no moving forward in anointing. There's no moving forward in faith. There's no moving forward in power. If we intentionally choose not to forgive, knowing what's been forgiven us. Now, I do love this. It's one of those simple little things. At the very end, it says, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father. I love that even in the fact, even in the midst of unforgiveness, he's still my daddy. Even in the midst of of me battling, and any one of us in this room battling over forgiving someone, he's still our father. We're still not abandoned. We're still not kicked out in the street. But friends, I promise you, one place that none of us want to be, it's outside the presence of God. Having our sins not forgiven us, is a place outside the presence of God. See, I don't remember what it's like to not have my sins forgiven me. To the extent that, that I was lost. I love being in the presence of God. I can't imagine moving forward, doing life outside of His presence. Faith is important in walking in God's anointing. We can't walk in the faith that moves mountains or that moves any obstacles if we don't forgive. Why am I camping on this? I'm camping on this because I truly believe this is one of the most neglected teaching when it comes to the need for power. When it comes to the need uh, for seeing miracles. We, we are in a generation where there are some mighty ministries doing awesome things. And they teach faith and they teach healings and they teach miracles and they teach these things. And I rarely hear faith or forgiveness included in that teaching. Rarely. It's been neglected, and so we're going to camp on it a little bit. You want to see miracles? You want to see God flow? You, you want to see the miraculous? Be certain that you are forgiving. Forgive. It is God's faith that we should pray and ask for. And we should pray and ask to be able to forgive like God forgives. How did God forgive? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. The second part that we want to move into in walking in a greater anointing is grace plus power results in forgiveness. Grace and power together results in forgiveness. So I want us to read from Acts chapter 6 and then into Acts chapter 7. We're going to read uh, the story of Stephen. So I'm reading out of the New American Standard and we're going to, we're going to cover the end quite a bit here. So let's let's read Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freed men, including both Syrians 
and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Verse 11. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. And they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. They put false, they put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, on Stephen, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. That in itself is a pretty miraculous thing. That's a pretty amazing thing. I'm not, I don't think they're saying that Stephen was, you know, this pretty boy. That, you know, they were just amazed at how gorgeous he was. They saw something in him that was amazing to them, that was astounding to them, that they compared to that of angels. What was it? At the beginning of this, we read about the combination of power and grace. Power and grace. We see power and grace manifested in healings, in the miraculous. We see it manifested in wisdom and power. Going now to the next verse, which is in the first verse of chapter 7. The high priest said, Are these things so? And he, Stephen, said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. And then for the next 52 verses, he proceeds to preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to preach with power, to preach with conviction. And we see in verse 54, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then, falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. don't want to oversimplify, but I believe there's probably basically two types of, of hurts and hurting that everything kind of be grouped into. Number one, when people do not intend to hurt us, but we get hurt anyway. But when there's unintentional hurt, they don't know that they've done it. And then number two, when people are intentionally cruel, intentionally hurtful and they know they have hurt us. I think it's true that most people when we're hurt they don't realize they've hurt us. 
they don't realize the ways that it's caused hurt or pain or most people I think they don't realize I don't think it's the intentional type I think they hurt us without knowing that's just a guess and for some reason those oftentimes hurt the worst because we feel like they should know they should know that they've hurt us who knows if these passionate religious leaders, these people who stirred up the crowd. Who knows if they know the extent of the hurt that they did to Stephen. We know for a fact that some of them absolutely did not. They think what they were doing was right and it was for the cause of religion. It was the cause because they felt that blasphemy against God and against Moses was taking place. So they absolutely felt like they were in the right to do this but we don't know about the entire crowd. What do we do when someone hurts us and they knew that they were intentionally hurting us? They knew that they were intentionally hurting ones we love. What do we do? We forgive. What do we do when someone has no idea that they've been hurting us, that they've hurt us. The exact same thing, friends. We forgive. I've found the times that I've felt like I needed to let someone know I've forgiven them, I hadn't forgiven them. When I'm like, hey, brother, I just want you to know I've forgiven you, man. I've forgiven you, bro. You know, what you did you know, was hurtful and it was shady and it was pretty dang crappy and immature and despicable. And but Hey, bro, I forgive you, man. I forgive you. That, that's bull. Because see, when we forgive, we don't feel the need to punish. We don't feel the, the need to, uh, honestly, to, to uh, attack someone's name. Which, I mean, hey, when I'm mad, that's what I want to do. I want to attack them and their name. And if they have a dog, you know, I mean, I just want to attack it all. Whether someone has intentionally hurt us or whether we don't, we don't know or whether we think, hey, they might not ever know, we still forgive. Jesus modeled this one for us on the cross. Luke 23, 33. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, Forgive them. For what? For they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Friends, we see it modeled by Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that with Jesus, there was a flowing in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So there was probably... Uh, it's my imagination that there was word of knowledge attached to this. So when he was saying, Lord, they don't know what they're doing, he's, I mean, he's like, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. He wasn't just being gracious. He's like, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But that's the model we have. Sometimes we think we have to forgive somebody only when they're sorry. That's not true. We don't wait for them to be sorry. 
Sometimes we think that we forgive somebody and then that automatically means there's restoration. No, that's not true either. If somebody has hurt my children, I will forgive them, but I don't want restoration with that person and I certainly won't, don't want my kids around them, but I, I will forgive them. I must forgive them. I choose to forgive them. By faith, I forgive them. That doesn't mean I want restoration. Does that make sense? I don't want reconciliation. Uh, I was speaking with Tyron at one point and I was using a specific instance of something from the past and I'm like, you know, Ty, do you think that that uh, that restoration's needed? And he's like, well, tell me, do you do you see a future together? Are you building for the same thing? Are you are you building towards the same goals? And I go, no. And he goes, well, you know, you got to forgive them. You know, you, we've talked about that, but no, you know, there doesn't have to be a restoration. If you're not going the same place, if you're not building towards the same things, then you know you have the choice of relationship and restoration. So in forgiveness, there's, there doesn't always have to be reconciliation. The key to us walking in the power of God, to walking in faith, to walking in power and grace. So far, we've seen two instances of it being forgiveness. And now we're going to go to the third. That third element in moving forward in anointing and growing in anointing to accomplish the things that God has called us to do. That third thing is the presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm, when I'm talking about the presence of God, now I'm talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. John 1.32 says this. John testified saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. And he remained upon him. I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him. This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified testified that this is the Son of God. Friends, the key to us walking in power is not just having the Holy Spirit descend upon us. Us walking in power is not just dependent upon the Holy Spirit descending upon us, but descending and remaining. One place that we absolutely cannot afford to be is outside the presence of God. Psalm 51.10 David is crying out and he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Love that passage. Love that passage as David is seeking forgiveness as as he's been called out about the sin of, of sleeping with Bathsheba and then the murder of her husband. And, and this is David's response. He knows there's one place he cannot be and that's outside the presence of God. He doesn't want the Holy Spirit lifted from him. He's tormented. Friends, in those times, and yes, this is a severe sin we're talking about. David slept with another man's wife. Then when she became pregnant, he had that man killed on the front lines of battle. 
But for any of us, when we're in that place of pain because we know that we have sinned and, and we've been convicted of that sin, we cry out with a similar prayer. Lord, renew my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Read all of that Psalm 51. It's, it's amazing. As David cries out. But the key that I want to focus on is being outside the presence of God. We know in the presence of the Lord there's fullness of joy. I preached on it over a month ago. In the presence of God, there is security, there's help, there is strength. In the presence of God, there is hope, there is peace, there is rest. All these verses that talk about the presence of God and what's found there. Friends, I don't want to go back to what's outside the presence of God. I stated before that you know it's vague to me because I've been in His presence so long. But not not... I still remember the darkness. I still remember despair. I still remember hopelessness. I still remember hurt that's outside the presence of God. How do we grieve the the Holy Spirit? How could we cause the Holy Spirit to not remain on us? You know, I I talked about it's not enough that He descend, but that He remain upon us. So am I actually sitting there saying that the presence of the Lord could be lifted from us, that the Holy Spirit could be lifted? Yes. Yes, there's, there's times where we feel outside the presence of God. What makes us do that? Sin. Sin. Ephesians 4.30 says this. I read earlier, verse 32. We'll read that again, but let's back up a couple of verses. Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Keep reading. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Our anger, our insistent demands, our clamor, our slander, our malice. Do we all know what malice is? Malice is the intention to do harm. It's just, it's the intention to do it. We haven't even done it yet, but we've got the intent to do harm. Why do you think we talk so much in this church about intentionality? It's a two-way street. It goes both ways. We're intentional about the things we do for the Lord, but we're also intentional not to fall into the things of the enemy. We remove things from our heart. We remove things from our mind. We rebuke the enemy. We submit ourselves Therefore, to the Lord, we resist the enemy and he flees. Why? Because I don't want to be outside the Lord's presence. And based on this passage, we see there are things that grieves the Holy Spirit. I think it's awesome that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. Doves are gentle and they are shy. And they're not, I wouldn't categorize them as a social bird. They're there one minute and, and they can be easily startled and sent away. Now, in no means am I, am I saying the Holy Spirit, you know, is in any way weak. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a strength of who the Holy Spirit is. But we do see that there is the possibility without the removing of sin, the intentionality of even removing the intent for sin, 
that the Holy Spirit can be grieved and we find ourselves outside of His presence. And unforgiveness definitely falls into this category. It was at the very end of it there. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. I know that this church wants to walk in power and wants to walk in greater anointing. And I know that this message on forgiveness is one that causes every single one of us to do a self-examination, to examine our hearts. And that's exactly what I want tonight. I want us to be intentional on examining our hearts, seeing if there's anything towards anyone. I am full of faith for this church. We are full of faith for the ways that God wants to increase anointing in this place. But I've just read three passages that talk about the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, that talk about a faith to move mountains, that talks about power and grace that in the midst of not just persecution, friends, but martyrdom. The last words are forgive them. Stephen, following the example of Jesus Christ, doing the same thing, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Friends, that is power. That is anointing. That is grace. We want to walk in power? I know we do. But more than just the gifts of the Spirit are needed. We want to walk in power? We need the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our life. But more than just the fruit of the Spirit is needed. We want to walk in power. We want to walk in anointing. Then we need to forgive. We need faith in God and of God to accomplish the things in the anointing that God wants to us to walk in, to accomplish the things that He wants us to do. But we've got to forgive. We need power and grace. We need it. We need power and grace just as much as we need faith. It was demonstrated by Jesus. It was followed by Stephen. And the combination of these things resulted in forgiveness. We need the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit to remain upon us as we walk this Christian walk. So we live our lives intentional about not grieving the Holy Spirit. We walk our lives intentional about removing sin. About not giving it place. And even malice, even the intent to do harm. We remove. Why? so as not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I want the Holy Spirit to remain upon me. Not just to send, but to remain. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is needed. Guys, let's think about the simplicity of that message. If there's anything towards anyone, that wide open spectrum 
that we were told before we ask the Lord in confidence that we first must forgive. I want us to take a moment right now where we are to search our hearts, but not just to search our hearts. This, this is a call and response. This is a call right now and respond right now. This is not a respond later kind of message. That's not what this is. Because we get busy and there's distractions. I'm asking us to be intentional right now. Right now, intentional about any bit of unforgiveness this is, that's in our heart. And to forgive, not because they deserve it. That is not what forgiveness is about. We forgive because our perfect God instructs us to. He commands us to. And we're obedient to Him. We forgive because God the Father forgave us. His forgiveness, His life demonstrated through the completed work of Jesus Christ that paid the price for our sins. Paid the price for it. We forgive. And we can do so knowing that it's our Father that we're having this discussion with. It's it's personal. We're not going to be kicked out in the cold, but he's pretty serious about this to the point of allowing there to be a little bit of torment. Read Matthew 18 if you don't believe me. He allows a little bit of torment if we choose unforgiveness. He allows us to be consumed with bitterness. Friends, that's a place that's outside the presence of God. So what I'm asking is for us to choose obedience, to choose forgiveness. And across the board, for those who have purposely hurt us. And friends, I want you to know, I am walking out something right now in my life where people have intentionally hurt me. Not in this church, outside of this place. I'm walking it out. And I don't just forgive them, I bless them. I call them by name. Lord, I forgive them and I want you to bless them. I want you to bless them in their marriage. I want you to bless them in their finances. I want you to bless them in their workplace. Lord, I want you to bless them, Lord, in ministry. Lord, I just pray that repentance will bring about, Lord God. Lord, he's a good man that has done some shady things, Lord. So I bless and, and I forgive those who have intentionally harmed me. But also there are people that I'm like, they don't know they've hurt me. I know that, you know, that's a good guy. And for him not to have come to me at this point, I think he must not know that he's hurt me. So I'm going to forgive him. I don't need to punish him. What's punishing him? Punishing him is that, that whole thing I did earlier. Hey, bro, I forgive you for being full of bonehead and for, you know, being a punk. I forgive you for being a punk, man. You know, that's punishing. That's a form of punishment. I leave the punishment to God. He's the judge, not me. So when I forgive, I also, I, I relinquish the right that I have to let them know that they've hurt me. I don't have to have that right. What I have to do is to walk in complete forgiveness. What I have to do is live my life in the presence of God. I can't, that that I can't bear. I can bear someone not knowing how much they've hurt me. I can bear that. I can. I can be that person in Christ Jesus. I can. You can. You can be that person in Christ Jesus. You can bear them not knowing the extent that they've hurt you. You can do it in Christ Jesus. What you can't do is live outside of His presence without 
the Holy Spirit. Friends, none of us can do that. 